I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Chad White. Chad is the head of research for Oracle Marketing Cloud and the author of Email Marketing Rules and more than 3,000 posts about email marketing. As a former journalist, he's been featured in more than 100 publications, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Advertising Age. Chad was named the Email Experience Council's 2018 Email Marketer Thought Leader of the Year. In this episode, Chad and I talk a lot about how his career in email marketing got started, and spoiler alert, it's not because he sought out to be an email marketer, everyone. Why it's completely ridiculous to keep asking if email is dead, it's nothing more than a clickbait headline, and how mobile has significantly impacted everything about email marketing. And make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Chad. You have an extremely impressive background in email and are really one of the go-to guys for everything about email marketing. So can you tell me how you got started? Yes, I think my story is like a lot of people's story. Like very few people set out to like have a career in email marketing. I feel pretty strong strong, like safe in saying that, is that most people don't uh, think like, oh, that's that's what I want to do, email. Um, so like a lot of people, I, I sort of fell into it. And uh, I started my career, uh, I'm a journalist by training. I have a, a master's in journalism from New York University. And I was in uh, New York City early in my career working for media companies, including uh, Condé Nast and Dow Jones. And we, I used to cover uh, retail uh, pretty extensively. And we would sign up for retailers' email marketing and use that as a way to generate leads for stories because they would announce you know, new initiatives and uh, delivery options and new things via their emails to their customers. And so that was my first taste of, of email. And uh, it was, this was sort of early days when blogs were sort of first coming on the scene and they were shiny and new. And, uh, and I'll be honest, my, my brother started a blog, a personal blog, and I saw it. And uh, as, as many younger brothers would, would have the thought, oh, well, if my older brother is doing this, well, I could do that better. <laughs> and so I started thinking, oh, what would I start a blog about? And um, I decided I didn't want to do a, a personal blog, but hey, I, I see emails all the time, retail emails. I'll start a blog about that. And so I did. I started the retail email blog and I wrote it for six and a half years. Every day uh, I would blog about uh, what I saw from retailers. And I did a lot of observational research where I would track how many emails they were sending, what those emails were about, tracking seasonality, you know, when people would start mentioning uh, Valentine's Day or the holiday season or back to school. And so I did that for a number of years. And during, and it was after I started that, that I uh, got the attention of the Email Experience Council, which at that point had just started up. Uh, I soon joined uh, the EEC as employee number three, and that was really my entry point uh, into the email marketing world. Thank you, Jeannie Mohn, uh, the founder of the EEC, for, for hiring me. Went on to join uh, the DMA, uh, Smith Harmon, which was a, an email marketing agency, which then got acquired by Responsys. Uh, then all of a sudden, I found myself at one of the top ESPs. And from there, went on to Exact Target and Salesforce and Litmus. And now uh, I am at uh, Oracle. So. Many, many years uh, talking about email. I really love it. 
Um, and more recent years uh, have transitioned from doing a lot of observational research into more survey work, you know, asking marketers how they do their jobs, what are their priorities, what's important to them. Um, so it's been great. As a journalist, I love email. Email is always changing. And so there's always a new story to tell. Well, speaking of stories, one of the things that I've seen in the headlines a lot is this whole concept around, is email really dead? So what is your take? Is email dead? Is it alive? What's going on? I think this is the most ridiculous storyline <laughs> ever. And I don't know why this storyline isn't dead. You know, this really all started with social media. Uh, started with Facebook, with Sheryl Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg, uh, and them making pretty disparaging comments about uh, about email and how email was dying as a way of self-promoting, right? They, they, they were kicking email to make themselves look better. And... Um, and I think it's 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 really interesting to me that this story continues to have traction given what has happened over the years. So first of all, you know, social has morphed from earned media very strongly into paid media. So like the whole promise of social media has like shifted gears. And and during this time, uh, email's value prop uh, is is largely the same, despite a, a lot of changes. Sort of. Um, uh, underneath uh, the surface. So since like, you know, compared to some other channels, email has a lot of like really powerful strengths. And, and so can we just prattle off just a few, um, which is why I think this conversation is, is kind of so ridiculous. I mean, first of all, ubiquity. Everybody has an email account. There are more email accounts than there are Facebook accounts by a long shot. And there are quite a few Facebook accounts. So ubiquity. It's the account of record. Everybody has an email uh, account. That's where all their receipts go. It's where all their password resets go. It's it's the status quo. More importantly, and I think this sometimes gets lost in the conversations about other channels, and in particular social, email is the channel that consumers via. It's a channel through which consumers want to engage with brands. Other channels are preferred channels for interpersonal communications, communications with friends. But if you ask people, how they want to receive updates, notifications, and other types of messaging from brands, the vast majority of them say email. It has been that way for a decade. It's undisputed that email is the channel through which brand communications are most welcome. So uh, while brands have spent a ton of time trying to make themselves welcome on social and other places and tripping over themselves in the process and having some pretty embarrassing moments uh, over the years, you know, email is that place where brands have consistently been welcome, where brands have not had to kind of like awkwardly kind of, you know, shove their foot through the door. The other thing that's really super powerful about email is that nobody owns it. Gmail, you know, Apple, uh, you know, Yahoo, which is you know now part of Verizon. Like, there are a lot of different players that, that all have a piece of email, and so no one controls it. Which means that no one can put up a giant paywall. There's lots of ways to get to email, and so that has kept the costs really low. Uh, which means that returns are really high for brands. Uh, research that I did while uh, I was at Litmus Software showed that on average, brands are getting a 38 to 1 ROI on their email marketing. That's insane. It's uh, a one-to-one -one channel 
know, because of mobile, it's highly immediate. There's just so many awesome things about email that other channels um, can't really match. One of the things I think for me that I really, I've loved email for a long time. So you're preaching to the choir here, but as a consumer, I love when I want to look at something on email and I don't want to respond to it or I don't want to buy like an offer from one of my favorite retail brands. I just keep that email in my inbox on social. If I see it in my like Twitter feed or my Facebook feed, it goes away. And then I swear I can never find it again. Yeah, no. And uh, I think this is one of the things that sometimes confuses brands. Um, you know, sometimes they see that like, oh, my my open rate, you know, is only, you know, 20%. That means a lot of people aren't aren't opening that email and that's and that's bad. And I think some of those brands don't fully understand how consumers use email. There are there are there's a whole class of consumers who like to stockpile promotional emails from retailers and other brands. And then when they are in the market to buy, they go and they search their inbox and they look at the latest uh, email from that brand uh, or the latest one or two and see you know, what's on tap. What kind of discounts can I get? What are they promoting? You know, a lot of people use it that way. So and you have to really kind of understand you know, consumer behavior uh, when you're kind of like setting your, your goals and expectations. That is exactly how I use it. I literally have a coupons folder in my email inbox. <laughs> I don't open them. They all go in there. And then when I'm ready to buy something, I go sort through them. I think this is the genesis of the promotion tab, right? I mean, yep. Google uh, is really smart about observing uh, user behavior. And I think they saw that, hey, this is how a lot of people are using it. So let's let's put all those promotions in their own tab uh, to make it um, make it easy for people to be able to to see those most recent promotions. Um, you know, and now uh, that promotions tab is even a, a better place to be uh, because of um, the uh, the microdata and uh, the other stuff that they've now built in where you can, you know, have really cool stuff show up in the envelope copy. So in the last decade, what trends have you seen that have really impacted how brands need to think about email marketing? Yeah, so, so number one, is mobile, but I, I don't want to talk about that just yet. We'll, we'll, we'll come back around to that. But some other really big trends over the last decade have been engagement-based filtering. Uh, that's, a, that's a real biggie. Uh, it used to be that uh, if you were a sender, all you had to do is keep your complaint rate low. And what that incentivized senders to do was to bloat their email list with a lot of inactive people who didn't do anything, who didn't unsubscribe, who didn't report spam, but just kind of didn't do anything. And uh, the uh, inbox providers were uh, eventually kind of onto this game. And now they require, and for quite some time now, have required senders to send emails that their subscribers not only tolerate, but engage with. And, and that has really, I think, been sort of the kind of the, the knife's edge of the beginning of a trend where we're becoming more subscriber centric. Uh, and I, so I think that that was really um, a lot of the kind of the genesis of that, where we need to focus on how are we serving individual subscribers? Are they engaged? Are they, you know, what kinds of offers are, are they engaging with? Which, what kind of content are they engaging with? And do I need to adjust my behavior accordingly? And so I think that's been uh, a very 
a very painful transition, frankly, for a lot of brands, but I think has been ultimately long-term, like super positive because that's where we need to be. We need to be focused on subscribers. Uh, sort of dovetailing with that, you know, we're seeing uh, stronger uh, permission and privacy laws, you know, GDPR, of course, <laughs> I can't go, can't talk about email without talking about GDPR. And, and of course, uh, the CCPA in California uh, which is mimicking a lot of the stuff that's in GDPR. So it's and it, and because of CCPA, uh, we're now having a national discussion about uh, having a law that would be at least somewhat in line with GDPR here in the U.S., which I think would be really wonderful. So mobile obviously, I you know can't go without saying that's also been a huge changer. I feel like we're you know, we're definitely at the back half of mobile's impact on email, but you know, back in 2007 when the iPhone uh, first came out, before that you couldn't render HTML emails. So it's had a profound impact on how we design emails. It's had a, a profound impact on the context in which people read emails. It's had a you know, profound concept of how we message in emails because people now can be anywhere at any time doing anything. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely don't want to gloss over mobile. It's definitely one of those, those big, big changes too, uh, along with automation, which is uh, really, and I think here we're probably maybe only halfway, maybe through the arc of automation, uh, which is really all about making that one-to-one -one promise true. Um, and so I think we're we're well on our way there. We're seeing some really exciting things in terms of what's possible with triggered messaging and transactional messages. So do you think that looking at what you know Google specifically has done and other email providers and how they've kind of had to, to some extent, put restrictions on marketers because we've made bad choices, do you think like part of the problem is not just the law, but also marketers wanting to, instead of taking a step back and saying, what's the best customer experience? What's the best thing that I should be doing? And using that as their guiding light, they're using as like, what can I legally do? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, you know, for every brand that laments, you know, something that an inbox provider is doing, they should know that we have driven them to it. You know all the things that, that Gmail does around deliverability that you know that drive us crazy. We as an industry have driven Gmail to do those things. This is this is our fault. Um, the reason that you know GDPR got passed is because of us. Because we because self regulation has failed. You know, and we like to think that we're good stewards, but the, all the evidence is to the contrary. Um, and so. You know, tough love for for brands, but I mean that's that's the truth is that we don't make the best decisions. Uh, we have ignored the norms, and now we need firm legal guide rails to keep us, you know, behaving how consumers and users want us to behave. And that's what it all boils down to is, uh, you know, these laws and the behaviors that Gmail and other inbox providers have, have sort of ensconced, you know, are all in response to what consumers, what subscribers want, behaviors that they expect. We have ignored what they expect, how they expect us to behave. And that's why all these things have happened. 
I mean, that's kind of why, again, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on GDPR is because I feel like GDPR is in line with what people want. And when we give people what they want, when we interact with them in ways that they expect us to um, and are on the up and up, that's that makes a strong relationship, which is the whole point of, of email. And the whole point of business is to craft relationships. So I don't know how if we can craft a good relationship when we're not aligned with consumer expectations. That's a great transition to my next question around how should you measure effectiveness of your email marketing programs? Like, how do you know what consumers want? This is a little bit of a messy question because I, I'm sure a lot of people really think of email marketing as being a highly measurable channel. And I think to a certain degree, it's true, certainly relative to some other channels, it's true. But the more multi-channel you are, uh, the messier this equation gets. And I think this is actually a little bit of a, a missed opportunity for email because I think so much of what email does gets measured in an A to B to C fashion where people are measuring, oh, someone opened an email, oh, okay, they're interacting with the body content, oh, they're clicking through to the landing page, and okay, I see them doing stuff on the landing page. All right, that's my email-driven interaction. And that's not how consumers behave. Consumers are weird and they don't follow the golden path that we lay out for them. They are constantly wandering off the trail into the woods and then re-emerging in some unpredictable place. You know, so they'll get an email and they'll see a subject line with something that interests them and they won't open the email. And instead they'll tell their spouse about that brand and that deal or that thing. And that spouse will go onto their computer, fire up a browser and, and discover more information or go to a store. You know, email is a, is a bucket that is just full of holes. Um, and so you definitely have to, to kind of try to kind of see where all the holes are um, and have a little bit of faith when sometimes the metrics don't match up with what you thought was probably going to happen. But uh, I think in terms of how we go wrong in measuring things, I think the biggest thing that we do wrong is that we're still too campaign centric. We're still too focused on sending a email looking at the opens from that email, looking at the clicks from that email, looking at the conversions from that email, and then calling it a day. You know, we need to look at our metrics from a subscriber point of view. That's where the future is. The brands that are gonna have the most success with email are already shifting over to a lifetime value approach where they are all about nurturing an individual subscriber. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that you know I played in the in the retail um, industry for for quite some time covering that and I a number of years ago many years ago um, I heard someone talking about how old time retailers like the retailers of the past uh, viewed their products as their inventory and the retailers of the future view their customers as their inventory so it's not about I've got some product let me see who I can sell it to it's I have some customers. Let me see what they're interested in buying. It's uh, you know, it's, it's it's flipping it upside down. And I think that we still have a lot of people who are still viewing uh, their business as managing products instead of managing their customers. And so uh, the metrics need to be aligned with that way of thinking. What would be your recommendation for people that need to transition over to managing customers more than just managing products? 
Yeah, well, you need to get you need to kind of get everybody in the room. I think part of the reason why we have this kind of behavior is because a lot of orgs are still really siloed. You know, right? The, the social team doesn't work with the email team, and the email team doesn't work with the web team. Uh, only roughly about half of email marketers have control over landing pages. That's crazy, by the way. Which is completely insane. I mean, <laughs> it's completely crazy. Yeah, you know, there, there should be there should be much more partnerships. Instead, I feel like, you know, because of attribution models and uh, like there's there's competition between the channels when really the comp- the channels shouldn't be competing with each other. They should be working collaboratively together to serve each individual customer. You know, I'm reminded of uh, I was in I was in Chicago recently and they have like a really cool architectural cruise that goes along the, the Chicago river and they go by the old um, Montgomery Ward building there. And our tour guide was talking about how uh, Montgomery Ward like ha- set up this like very sort of adversarial relationship between its various departments. And they thought that like, you know, competition would, would, would drive them to succeed. And the exact opposite happened. Like the various departments like just tore each other apart. They undermined one another and it was to the detriment of the entire business. So, I mean, the, the future of channels within brands is collaboration because again, you know, it's all about the customer, all about the subscriber and serving them best. And you can't do that if everybody has their own lens of that subscriber, of that customer. We talked about mobile earlier, and you mentioned a couple of things that have changed in the last decade on mobile, specifically since the iPhone, about thinking differently about how you design for mobile, thinking about how you message. What are the best practices marketers need to think about when they are you know, sending out emails that are primarily consumed on a mobile device? Yeah, so let's ignore some of the cool interactive stuff you can do on mobile platforms for a minute, and let's, let's just kind of go back to basics. I, I do feel that we we still could do better. I feel like this conversation about mobile, uh, I think some people think that like it's over. Like we, we've done this mobile thing. Like we, we've been talking about mobile optimization since, you know, in a serious way since like 2009, right? Like, so this is now like a decade of talking about, about mobile. Surely we've got it all sewn up now. And I, I can't tell you how many emails I see in my own inbox where the email is responsive but the email isn't mobile friendly. And there's a difference, people. There, there is a difference. There is a big difference. Um, you know, responsive is, is just a tool. Responsive design is just a tool. Um, but mobile friendliness transcends that. You know, responsive is a, is a means to an end. But so, so let me just be clear about what I mean by that. I still see in my inbox text that is too small. I still see in my inbox links and buttons that are too close together to be accurately tapped without frustration. Uh, I still see in my inbox uh, contrast ratios that are not good enough, especially you know, if I'm reading it outside on a sunny day. These, these are all sort of fundamental issues. The, there's too much copy uh, in a lot of emails still. I know we, we've, we've had that discussion for quite some time. And uh, you know, when I was with Litmus, we would do these live optimization sessions at Litmus Live, uh, where we would get up on stage and um, we would, you know, people would submit emails to us and we would show them up on giant screens. Very intimidating. All the all the people who submitted emails were very brave and <laughs> very appreciated. And uh, you know, when we when we did these uh, last year, I think 
nearly every single email we brought up, um, we would talk about all kinds of issues, but I think conciseness and brevity was was a theme that came up in almost every single email. There were places where you could uh, remove this sentence, where you could smash these two sentences together. You could cut a bunch of words, maybe cut this section. There's just too many words, too much going on, uh, not tight enough. If you don't have a good copy editor, try to see if you can invest in one or to like, you know, find someone that you can pull a little bit of time off of another team to help kind of like just clean that up, squash it down. Uh, you know, that brevity, you know, being succinct is super, super powerful. And so, you know, that along with, you know, link densities and font sizes and contrast ratios, these are all like really simple things before you get to, again, more advanced functionality and stuff that you could do on mobile. But to your point, it's surprising even a decade later how many people aren't doing that. Your comment around like button size, like that's one of my number one frustrations is why do you put your buttons so close together? I have an adult finger. It cannot tap them. <laughs> yes. So I am a very average size person. And I like to think actually my fingers, you know, for a man are not terribly big, but like I have friends who just have like bare paws and I imagine them trying to like navigate through some of these emails where like their finger is like, if it's not hitting two buttons or two links, it's hitting three. Like, you know, some people have like really big hands and, you know, it's, you got to kind of think about that. I, I still see like nav bars on mobile that are like six, you know, links across, like that's not gonna work. <laughs> so yeah, and it seems like just really basic, but I think it's where we're just not putting ourselves in our subscribers and our users' shoes. Have you seen any anyone doing a good job around wearables? I'm thinking about like my Apple Watch as an example. So I can now get obviously email on my Apple Watch, which is another layer to the whole conversation. Have you seen anyone paying attention to that yet? Yeah, so wearables are tricky, right? Because in again, I've talked about how um, email is not as measurable as we would like to think that it is. And I think that the Apple Watch and, and other um, smart watches are, are a great example of this because uh, because none of them render HTML, we have no idea what the open rates are like on these things. Just like no clue. And because we have no clue, because it always turns up as zero, because it's not measurable, uh, I don't think there's been a lot of emphasis on it. Now, that said, uh, smartwatch usage does seem to be relatively low. And I think for like commercial messages, I think it's mainly just used for triage, right? So, um, so the focus, like if you're, if this is something that people are concerned about, and then it's all about making sure that you're using that recognizable sender name, having a clear subject line, and some good um, preview text. Those are the things you should be focusing on because people are, you know, with these messages from brands for the most part on an Apple Watch, they're really just deciding, okay, do, am I deleting this email or not? or am I saving it for later? And it's interesting because I, I feel it's a little bit of the same conversation that I would say is happening around voice uh, assistance right now. Uh, no, it's a little bit of a kind of a, a buzzy area where people are, are now suddenly concerned about Alexa and how she reads emails and Siri and how she reads emails. And that is also similarly a little bit of a black box because we do not get opens on those either. Um, so it's really tough outside of like surveys and 
you know, talking to customer you know, subscriber panels you know, to try to figure out what that usage is like. Um, but I imagine that what's happening there is is very similar to the Apple Watch and that it's a lot of inbox triaging that's going on because voice assistants like the Apple Watch don't have a browser. There's no way to click through, which means for most brands, uh, there's no way to convert. Um, so people, because of the limitations of those platforms, have to save those emails for later on in order to to truly engage with them. So I'm thinking back in my career to when I've, you know, ran email marketing teams and sent out, you know, hundreds of thousands of emails. And you always have that moment of panic right before you send it. Is this everything done correctly? I'm going to send it. And you kind of like hold your breath. Do you think marketers still experience that today? Or are consumers more understanding of if you send something out and there's a mistake? Yeah. So uh, so my old boss, Justine Jordan, she calls that the fear. And the fear is completely real. And I think that's actually a good thing. Frankly, if you go and you hit the send button and you don't have the tiniest amount of fear, it probably means you shouldn't be pressing that button. Like, Because it means you're not really respecting what you're about to do, which is like <laughs> send a message to a ton of people. I think that's good. Like, you know, I... I do a fair amount of speaking and I get nervous before I speak. And I think that's a good thing. I should be nervous before I speak because it means that I'm taking it seriously um, and, um, and realize that, you know, what I say and how I say it is important. And, you know, like, so, you know, a little bit of that fear, uh, I think is, is a good thing. It means you still care. <laughs> but in terms of whether or not people are understanding about mistakes, that's a little bit of a, of, of a different um, topic altogether. And, um, and actually one that I feel very strongly about, I feel like there's a little bit of a notion that email should be this mistake-free channel. And I feel like that's an overly high bar. Uh, email is super complicated. It's got a lot of different moving parts. Um, and that's just on the email side of the house, not including how email might interface with merchandising or with um, other aspects of marketing where you know things could get messed up. There's just you know, there's just a lot of opportunity, both technical and operational, uh, a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong. And I think that, that I don't think that there's this expectation on the part of customers for completely error-free, you know, lives from brands. I mean, they're people too. They understand that. And I think that, you know, so long as there's not like a pattern of certain kinds of mistakes, like you should, you should not be afraid you know, to fess up to a mistake. You know, a lot of times uh, corrections and apology emails are kind of superstar emails to send, you know, if you're not sending them very often. And I think another sort of angle to this is that if you're never making any mistakes, there's, there's evidence to suggest that you're just not leaning forward enough in terms of personalization, dynamic content. As you can tell, Chad is a true expert in email marketing and has countless insights to share on the subject. If you're interested in learning more about that, I highly recommend you visit emailmarketingrules.com to read his latest email marketing advice and research. Check out his book, Email Marketing Rules on Amazon, and follow him on Twitter at Chad S. White. Now, let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. There are so many great insights from my conversation with Chad that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. 
First, can we all finally agree that email is not in fact dead and that we're not gonna fall victim anymore to these ridiculous clickbait headlines that just keep saying it over and over again every year? Now, trust me, I get it. A decade ago, it was a compelling headline that many of us thought could potentially be true, especially given the introduction of the iPhone and the growth of social media. But it's clear that email is still a major player in driving results for companies today. Let's take a look at some of the comments that Chad made that I thought were really insightful. First, everyone has email. I'm talking literally everyone. Even my kids who don't have social media accounts have email addresses. Emails also are account of record. It's how you create accounts with retailers, you log into things online, and really honestly so much more. In fact, how many of you actually hate it when you have to create a username online that's not your email address? I know I do because I never remember what my other username was. It's also the primary way that consumers want to engage with brands, and that's based on their own feedback. We also can't forget that an email is still driving an incredible ROI. In the latest research, email is showing a 38 to one ROI. I don't know of a single other channel that sees those types of ROI numbers. But most importantly, and this is something I think a lot of us don't think about, nobody owns email. And what I mean by that is that there are numerous email providers out there, right? Google, Yahoo, Microsoft, your own company email, etc., And none of them control the entire market. This isn't the case with other channels. Take social media as an example. Do you actually realize that you don't in fact own your Facebook page or Twitter account? Instead, you kind of lease it from them, which means that anytime they could shut down your account, change their functionality, or limit your ability to connect with your consumers, that's not gonna happen on email. So if email is not a key component of your marketing strategy, then you are missing out on using an own channel that drives a huge ROI. Next, mobile has truly transformed email marketing and made email a highly immediate channel. I know that might sound a little crazy at first, but think about it just for a second. How many times a day do you grab your mobile phone and check your email? That should give you a quick answer as to how immediacy is now a factor with email. But even after more than a decade of delivering email on mobile, many marketers are still not getting it right. Now let's start with the basics. Mobile responsive is not mobile friendly. Repeat after me, mobile responsive is not the same as mobile friendly. I've been saying this for such a long time, but so many of us confuse the two. It's possible for an email to be mobile responsive and not mobile friendly. And we all need to be doing mobile friendly email. So what do I mean by that? Well, it means that you need to start thinking about mobile email differently. For instance, is your text readable on a mobile device or does the user need to pinch and zoom in order to be able to read it? And you also need to take in consideration the demographics of your readers to make sure that even if you think your text is readable, is it readable to them? And now since we're talking about text already, let's talk about the importance of conciseness in your email copy. Now, don't get me wrong. This is important regardless of where your email is consumed, especially even on desktop, but it's even more important on email. No one wants to scroll and scroll and scroll to read long emails on mobile devices. They want content that's brief and digestible. We also have to take into consideration contrast ratios in our email designs. Do your contrast ratios work for someone who is, in fact, outside on a sunny day trying to read your email? That's not something that you have to usually consider when you're designing email for the desktop, but it's an often overlooked consideration for mobile email. Now, what about your buttons and links? My personal number one pet peeve about mobile email is when an average adult with average fingers cannot easily tap on links 
and buttons without accidentally hitting something else because you put them too close together. People, please stop putting CTAs so close together. It's annoying to everyone. And it ends up just giving you inaccurate results where you think your click-through rate is higher. And that's because I accidentally meant to hit something else, clicked on the wrong thing and went to a site and then bounced. And that's not the results that we want anyways. And let's not overlook the role wearables are starting to play in email. So good news, people are reading your emails on wearables like their Apple Watch. Bad news, we have absolutely no idea how many. If you're familiar with how email opens are tracked, then you know that it's usually by a hidden image pixel that's used, and images have to be displayed for the email open to be truly tracked. Well, email images aren't supported on most wearables like the Apple Watch, so you're not getting any of that information. And don't forget that the super small screen of your wearable, like your Apple Watch, means that content conciseness is even more important. Finally, how many of us look at email in terms of campaign results versus individual subscriber engagement? I've personally been guilty of doing that in my career when I focus so much on the results from a specific email campaign, obsessing over open rates, click-through rates, conversion rates, ROI. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay attention to those metrics because you should, but we need to stop assuming that they're an accurate representation of our entire email marketing program and its effectiveness. We should be measuring the effectiveness of nurturing each individual subscriber and driving an increased lifetime value for them. And that's a fundamentally different approach to email marketing than what I've seen from marketers for so many years. And gasp everyone, it doesn't mean we need to send more email. I know sometimes that feels counterintuitive. We also need to realize that customers don't follow this beautifully designed conversion path that we all as marketers want them to. They kind of wander in the woods, as Chad said, and they wander around using other devices, talking to other people in their household, and sometimes those people on different devices that we never even marketed to are the ones making the purchase based off that initial email that we sent. I personally love Chad's analogy how email attribution is a bucket full of holes. It's so accurate, and it's a real challenge that all of us need to consider. Now, here's my mobile marketing challenge for the week. Take an hour, grab your phone, go outside, hopefully on a sunny day. Look at the last 10 emails you sent subscribers. Is your text readable? Is the content too long? Do you need to scroll? Can you read them outside on a sunny day? Can you easily click on a CTA without hitting something else? If you can't answer yes to each of these questions, then you need to start the process of improving your email and making it mobile friendly. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Lumivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.